0: Hello and welcome to the first ever I Fell Over podcast. I'm your host, Oliver Broadbent, and through this podcast I'll bring you musings on engineering, creativity and practical philosophy. These are things that I spend a lot of time talking to people about, running training on and generally reading around, so this is my attempt to create a sort of regular digest. This first uh, podcast comes to you from EMF, Electromagnetic Field, which is a not-for-profit UK camping festival. For those with an inquisitive mind, or an interest in making things. Hackers, artists, geeks, crafters and engineers are all welcome. Now, why did I come here? Well, I'm actually interested in a few things. Um, The world of engineering that I come from is that of constructing and building stuff. But in engineering, certainly in engineering education, there is a great divide between the people that are building buildings and the people that are involved with everything else. Mechanical, electrical, computing. Um, I want to see what's going on on the other side of the fence. It seems certainly a lot cooler and greener, so to speak, with people hacking things apart, making them together, collaborating. And I want to know what we can bring back into engineering and construction. From a sustainability point of view, I think this stuff is great as well. There's loads of people here who are dismantling things, uh, fixing things, and getting over the built-in obsolescence in technology. Uh, From a creativity point of view, I am looking forward to being immersed in just a world of people thinking and ideas and and actually producing things. I'm looking forward to meeting some cool people and seeing what makes them tick. So, without further ado, let's, let's go for a little walk. i a bit of a tour of the EMF site. To the left of me here I have a game zone, retro game zone. I got up to level 4-2 on uh, Super Mario Brothers, which is about the only game actually I ever had as a kid. Uh, on the right we have the tent of the London hack space. Behind me we've got some blacksmiths. The blacksmiths have been really uh, popular. There may be a counterculture to all the electronic stuff that's going on around me. There's a massive real ale tent, of course, and then there are oak trees, under which there are hay bales, and there are dozens of people coding. Okay, right. So um, I was just walking through a field, and this green, maybe one foot high, uh, kind of cuboid rolled towards me and careered to a stop. And two guys were driving it. I'm here speaking to them. Uh, What are your names, guys?
1: Uh, Alex Easterbrook. I'm Graham Kissridge.
0: Yeah, and can you tell me about your machine?
1: Uh, So basically, it was built to uh, be a feature in the Minecraft village from uh, Reading, just in the background there. Um, The idea was for it to be like a statue to draw people's interest and have a bit of fun by riding around on it in the middle of this field in EMF camp. Um, and just to be fun to do. So,
0: so what does it do? So it's a sixty by sixty centimetre say square, a foot off the ground, yep, yep. and it and it drives.
1: Yes. So it's got two car batteries and two wheelchair motors. Right. Uh, with some speed controllers, so it's basically just a moving platform. Right. But um, it's deconstructed at the minute because when we brought it here on Friday it had a full neck and head bringing it up to about seven foot tall. Brilliant. Uh, it sat in our village and it just got lots of interest from passers-by to be sort of talkative about the Reading Minecraft village that we are ha- hosting here.
0: And uh, how do you control it?
1: So at the minute it's controlled by having a laptop plugged into an Arduino the original idea was that it would have a an arcade joystick and in the head of the creeper, so you'd stand on the back of it and That's you'd risky. you'd control it by the joystick and it would move around. We quickly found uh, we were all th- way too scared to do that. We were all a bit too scared <laughs> to drive it like that, and the uneven ground, being grass and um, slightly hilly, didn't lead to the most safest ride conditions. So. We we took off the neck, we took off the head, and we now just sit on it and ride around with our laptops controlling it.
0: Brilliant! So you've got a you've got an Arduino controlling two yep. speed controllers.
1: It's, uh, it's a standard Arduino Uno that's just plugged directly into two uh, brushed speed controllers. Um, and, and
0: controlled by A, S, D, and W.
1: Yes, yeah, W, S, A, and D. Like you would and, um, play any video game. Space stops all of the motors. We got into a bit of a bind where um, it would stick on in one direction and and. Well, luckily we fitted the emergency stop switch, otherwise it would have gone into someone's tent. So (laughs) for listeners,
0: there's a big red button on the top of this scary vehicle, so if it's coming rearing towards you, you can just smack the button and hopefully it will come to a stop.
1: Exactly, it will come to a stop because it cuts all of the power, making it fully safe.
0: So is this the first one of these you've built?
1: This is the first one of this that I've built, yeah. Uh, It's my first real messing around with sort of human weight plus carrying vehicles. Um, And it's scary because if you try and lift it, it weighs... About 10, 12 stone. Uh, two full days. car batteries in there. Uh, two 75 amp hour batteries that will last the weekend, basically, so and no charging did, needed.
0: And how did you figure out how to do this stuff?
1: Um, basically, the, the best source of information you can get for building this stuff is uh, following the maker community, things like Hackaday, but to specifically make this, if you follow the model robotics scene, the, the robot wars and the build guides of BattleBots and stuff, it's not too dissimilar from if you were building a combat robot. Yeah, it's about the same size as well, and weight, I reckon. Yes. I, don't,
0: I don't think it needs any weapons. I think you should just ride straight in someone's ankles. Well, and it did them take them my shin out a couple I did days totally. ago. <laughs> Is just yeah. going
1: to be a wheel and an ac- two wheels and an axle next time I see it? So,
0: um, I mean, I'm just interested about your background. Like, How did you get into this? Uh, so did you study any of this I sort of stuff? I
1: did computer engineering at Reading right. uni. Oh, Taught huh. me a bit of computer science and a bit of electronic engineering. And as a day job, I work as a... a research engineer right. so I generally poke around with emerging tech and uh, I focus mainly on embedded platforms so right yeah, you go. It's just Wrong. a bit of reusing what I do during the day.
0: <laughs> well don't hurt anyone. <laughs> no no. Thank you I'm going to go rescue my pipe.
1: Yeah. Cheers guys. Much. So I'm sitting here with the
0: geek show-off crew after their amazing set here at EMF. Anna is just uh, warming up here she did an amazing set about uh, a Rubens tube. It's got Rubens tube. Yeah. Rubens tube, um, which we'll link to a photo of uh, afterwards in some digital way. Steve's here as well, Steve Cross. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Yeah, please. So, um, you, you know, you've got an interesting take on, the, on this world, this world of engineers, and looking forward to doing engineering show-off stuff yes. later on this year. no, totally. There's a lot of engineers here having fun. Um, do you think that's do you think right. it's a true analysis?
2: No, right. No. You're right. Things we know. Number one, engineers do not have fun apart from you. So there are people here having fun, and there are engineers here. You've not yet shown me that the Venn diagram intersects.
0: OK, we're going to have to do some better labelling of them on there, with name badges. Or yeah, something.
2: I, and I realise that empirical stuff isn't the strength of civil engineering, although it probably is. I don't erm um,
0: well, okay, okay, I'll give you this I, I would say there's a lot of people here having a lot of fun making stuff
2: oh yeah 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 yeah. and
0: it feels really creative to me yeah
2: it, it almost feels sometimes like if you go over and label them an engineer that'll ruin it I think that's nail why the we head. use the, the maker nail on the head because like you can be a maker and be like oh, I'm making some stuff and you go are you an engineer and they're like no I I, I like people oh amazing Did you does that make them? you a civil engineer no, no. Um, oh. yeah. Um, so yeah no I think it's it's like it is like difficult I don't think you should even try and reclaim yeah. the term. I think a lot of people, like in science, let's have a massive fight about what's science and what isn't. Yeah, let's the, not. Things, let's yeah. just have There's some a interesting on. things. Yes. And this
0: is full, This place is full of people making interesting stuff and enjoying it, and Well,
2: I don't know if it is or not. I've been, to I've been, a I've been here for talks. two days, I can tell you. I've been, I've been to a lot of talks, and I haven't understood a single noun in any one. Um, so everyone sounds super engaging, and the work sounds super I have no idea. <laughs> All
0: right, Anna, over to you. What you got? <laughs> So uh, it's the evening of day two at EMF camp. Um, there's uh, a techno troll of some sort behind me. Um, there is a piece of scaffolding that's on fire that seems to be controlled by someone in the distance. And I've got right here Helen, who has just done an amazing set for geek show-off. Helen, you seem to have a musical keyboard on your arm. Can you tell me what's going on?
3: Yeah, I can. Um, so me and in Phoenix, um, we decided it might be fun to make a keyboard that you could play on your skin. Um, So we wired up um, an Arduino micro to a capacitive sensor. We then wired 12 different wires into this capacitive sensor to 12 different keys on a keyboard. Um, initially, we painted the, um, the electronic uh, paint on our skins, but that didn't work so well. So we've just kind of wired it up on some vinyl-cut keys, which still looks pretty cool. Um, and then we—I should just
0: say that at this point, um, Helen looks like um,
1: basically look like you looked villain.
0: someone like you look like the Terminator towards the end of the first Terminator film, with bits of wires <laughs> hanging off you. Um, but the so Terminator sorry. couldn't do this. Ready. Wow. So yeah, that's that. Uh, so is, just, that's just really, for listeners. This is this is a keyboard painted on Helen's yeah, arm that's with uh, wires yeah. coming out of her arm, going up to the capacitive center yeah. and into We've the We've got, got a
3: whole octave. We've cut it out to um, to resemble um, a famous MIDI keyboard. Um, it was in. Uh, we we, uh, we designed this keyboard actually specifically um, because. Um, the dude that runs um, Signs From Space, which is a very uh, famous analog synth from well-regarded analog synth community, um, uh, he died about a week ago, so this uh, keyboard on my arm that's been vinyl cut and then wired up onto my arm. Um, is a replica of his uh, midi keyboard.
0: Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. And tell me, what do you think of the camp overall?
3: Oh, the camp's amazing. I mean, it's just full of amazing, creative people just hacking stuff together. It's a really supportive atmosphere. I mean, I, you know, it wasn't working entirely how I was expecting it to work, and I was hacking it up um, until the last minute. But actually, it doesn't really matter. Like, you're here to have an experiment and have a go, and just... Now, I've seen people dressed up in stormtrooper outfits. I've seen people um, just you know, having, getting people to have a go at a system te- tech, People doing like code-based music, um, games, amazing old arcade games. It's just been, it's just a really nice inclusive atmosphere. and um, It's been great fun. I Thank can't you. believe I've never been before. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> it's so awesome. Awesome.
0: yeah. Are you going to come back? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Okay, good morning. We're on day three of EMF camp. I'm sitting in the lounge, which has... There's quite a few people asleep around me on beanbags. There are people emerging, drinking coffee, and uh, computers out, iPads out, coding, emailing, whatever they're doing. Um, I'm actually sitting here with Richard Sewell, so Richard uh, was part of a three-person team yesterday who did a really cool workshop called Daft Ideas. You might have seen the uh, photograph on my blog of the Air Begine, uh the inflatable vegetable, uh, which uh, came out of that Daft Ideas workshop. Uh, Richard was doing some really cool stuff with, with his fellow facilitators around idea generation. And so just wanted to talk to you a bit about that, Richard. Maybe you could start by letting me know a little bit about your, your background.
4: So background, I, uh, I'm... I work as a software developer, we make mobile apps, for um, I've always made software in small teams, small companies, um, but I've also always made things of various sorts. Stuff. Wow. i like making stuff, and lately uh, electronic and robotic things, because they're very easy these days, it's never been so easy to have an idea for a robot. and just turn it into a working thing for very little money what's changed that do you think um the rise of things like the arduino and the market the 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 sort of hobby market that services those has meant a lot of people put a lot of work into making stuff easy for other people so Mm -hmm. that instead of starting with the data sheet and drawing a circuit diagram and wire wrapping something you usually just buy three or four bits and wire them together and you've got a working thing. Um, so it's cheap and it's easy and the the first step up is very low so you can get technology that you can very quickly make do something right. and that's that's the most inhibiting step for any of this stuff.
0: Um, so
4: yeah, lots so, of people have made it easy.
0: So there's lots of things I want to ask you about briefly this morning. Creativity is one of them uh, but uh, I just want to point you've just made there about um, it being something where you can get from zero to something working how important do you think that is in the, that creative process oh uh, it's 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 vital
4: because you can't imagine what you can't easily make certainly in a, in a formal context hmm. you know somebody might teach you that this is how you do some technical process and then you'll go away and think about it and then you'll pay someone to do it but if you're going to do it yourself with your own resources things you will think of to make are the things that you know how to make so you need the building blocks in your head before you can really go off and make make up random stuff because you need to quickly go from an idea to a feeling for if you could make it go or not you'll only pursue the ones that seem to have decent odds so you'll only pursue the
0: ones where you know some of the fundamentals right so it's it's, so the next idea has to be proximal so in a sense if you can't even imagine it how, how are you going to or even if you can't imagine how you might build it, how might you conceive it Yes, so you have to be able to imagine what the parts and tools are that would let
4: you personally get it done in the kind of time you're prepared to spend on it
0: Right, because I'm, I'm, I imagine internally we've got uh, lots of people say this, we have a sort of internal editing process, we're going well no, can't accept that idea, can't accept that idea because and yeah. part of that editing is I wouldn't know where to start Right, absolutely, this, 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 is, this is
4: like Kahneman's thinking fast and slow, where you're, you're very quickly intuitively judging things as, yeah, might work, probably not, no idea, oh yeah, I can do that one. Right, and, and all the ones you make will be the, oh yeah, maybe we could do that. And so you have to be able to quickly visualize that there's, there's probably a way, using the kinds of tools that you've got in your head or that you know other people
0: easily do, so that you can get started. So we're in a world here where people are increasing their ability to say yes to ideas development through their sort of rapid prototyping.
4: Yes, yes,
0: and through the world
4: now being awash with examples of these things. So once you've heard one bloke go, I made this robot using this weird kind of motion mechanism, but actually it was quite easy... Your takeaway is, well, that person worked it out, so I could probably work it out. He didn't seem like a genius, so that's a thing we could do. So next time you're thinking in that kind of space, you might just, you know, you'll be more open Mm to pursuing that idea. For the extra 10
0: minutes it takes to go, oh yeah, 20 quid, do that in a day, be all right. So a model I've been playing around with is uh, Chick Mensah, uh, the psych- creativity psychologist, came up with this uh, model called the systems model of creativity, and he talks about it's not just about the individual; it's about the existing pool, the meme pool of ideas that are out yeah. there, yeah. and also about the uh, the people who say, "Yeah, that's a good idea." I'm going to accept it. And so, in a sense, the fact that we've got all these people creating things um, uh, yeah. increases that meme pool. And then other people can just dip into it.
4: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and for all of the things that that I've made, I could point you at, you know, some things from which I I directly stole inspiration, where I went, that's a thing. If I made the thing like that, except it was also like this. So you know, these things all have ancestors. Some of them are my own projects. Some of them are just things I saw on the telly. You know, other people's open source projects where you just go, oh, if that's easy and this other thing
0: is easy. Uh, That's all part of this ecosystem that makes it easy. And so, coming back to something you said earlier on, again, uh, you said uh, it's a sort of hobby space. Uh, I'm interested to know, what do you think the crossover is between sort of this space and industry? Well,
4: so in, in, in Hobbyland, you do what you feel like, which means you can be driven by your whims, which means you can make much more interesting things and things with no prospect of profit and because you're doing it for yourself, you are probably less interested in less afraid of the possibility of failure mm-hmm. so if you do something industrially I mean if you're in an enlightened research organization they'll go try brave things we don't mind if you fail yep. I expect most people will think their management are lying anyway but, but they at least they say that. Um, In Hobbyland, you can go, let's have a go. I don't know if I can do that. What's 50%? 30 quid, let's give it a go. Um, And when you're operating at the boundary of what you know how to do, it's, I don't know, it's vital Mm -hmm. to accept the possibility that it might go terribly wrong. Uh, In in my experience, most people are very pessimistic about the odds of failure. Um, What they really mean is, I'm not certain I can do that have a theory unsubstantiated by any kind of research that what happens in school that's is allowed, allowed they, they, go, they go here's a thing this is how you do it now here's a test do that thing we told you how to do and the hidden message there is is more or less you'll only be asked to do things that you should know the answer to so if you don't know the answer to it you'll fuck up so uh whereas clearly in the real world people spend all their time doing things they don't really know how to do and making the best of it but they're discouraged by the possibility of failure uh, in fact of the things that I've done that I didn't know how to do very few of them have resulted in swearing in a pile of broken parts in the bin usually it works you know for most people most of the time usually it works and if it doesn't work it was educational and
0: you can probably make a better one next week it, it, yes it, it, it's a all we reward in school often, yeah. what we reward in school is that success, not yeah. the process.
4: Yes, and success in doing the thing you were told to
0: do, yeah.
4: not some random thing out of your head. So, so, so commercially, you're gonna have much clearer motives that somebody wrote down, and there might be a spreadsheet, and you really have to make it work, otherwise everybody will hate you, and that's clearly very inhibiting.
0: Um, I don't know how to fix that. Fortunately, that's not my problem. So um, what I'd like to do now is come back to the creativity stuff that you were doing yesterday. I wonder if you might be able just uh, to uh, give our listeners the, uh, a sort of summary of the sort of things. And then... Okay, so, 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 so the Inventatron 3000
4: is a thing that we made up in the pub after I make a fair. Um, my, my friend Libby um, always has a pack of blank cards with her. and We made this thing with, with three sub-decks of cards for the kinds of things that people make uh, in Hackspaces so technical platforms like Arduinos and ESPs, um, kinds of things like musical machines and lighting, you know, all kinds of stuff, Uh, and purposes, uh, things for your mum, things to let you take over the world, a collection of purposes. So, So all you do is shuffle them, deal one from each of these three decks, that gives you something, you know, electric milk float spinning wheel, and then you try and see if that could be a thing that you could actually make. And the idea is to be serious but playful. So you wanna take each one seriously, but see if there's a thing in that space somewhere that you could actually go and do. Um, The surprising thing is that nearly always you find that there are some things, usually more than one, that you really could do, and one of them might actually be one you would want to do. Right. If it doesn't work you just deal another one or you know, discard the one you don't like and swap it out or discard one and just go to whatever, whatever works but, but what it does is gives you a particular place to start thinking from which you can work up an idea so it gives you a sort of a half idea. Yep. Um, we really like half ideas, you know, a half idea is something that's got some juice in it it's, it's not a working thing, you definitely couldn't make it, but there's something about it that, that you want to keep. And, and so you want to keep your half ideas and treasure them until you find sort of the other half that lets you make a thing.
0: Right. But something which I thought was then interesting, and particularly interesting, was the idea of the sort of improv comedy. That, uh... Yes, that, that John was talking about.
4: So, so, so in improv comedy, uh, the idea is somebody says, and we're on a spaceship. What you do not do, because it isn't interesting, is go, no, we're not, we're in a bus. So you always have to start with, and we're in a spaceship, and we're eating spaghetti, and the gravity's gone out, comedy ensues. So, so you take your thing, that, your half idea, and you want to add something to it, and see if you get a, a fruitful mixture, see if there's some fertilization there, because all things are made up of some ideas kind of mashed together. Mm. And so we're interested in getting those ideas out and in doing the mashing. And so what the cards do is really force you to consider a
0: particular mashing of ideas for a bit to see what you get. So the mashing is the new connections, possibly unforeseen. Yes, absolutely. And then also there's the kind of, I'm not sure if this is the right word, but the sort of, ego is taken out of it to go well I, I couldn't i can't say this idea it's too silly yeah uh, actually well no it, it has been said it's on the table i i have to work with these three parts yes part. absolutely and and and
4: you don't have to no mm. we're all free to say what we want at any time but it turns out that people do think of things with this process yeah. and and even when they think of very silly things to start with they often take them into better things Quite quickly and spontaneously Just on their own Because they've got Going down that groove And something pops out So best thing From our first session In the pub in Newcastle Was the GPS navigation parrot Right A stuffed parrot Sits on your shoulder Probably clips to your clothing With magnets It knows where you're going And it directs you You Google Maps Software You know How hard can it be Left Right (laughs) there. Brilliant That's it You know You can make that It's totally makeable People would love it it wouldn't be a business, but it would be fantastic. So.
0: And so, last thing I want to ask you is this amazing word which you used in your introduction. Uh, this concept of thingness, and I will tell you why I think is amazing because, I. So I've, I've been very excited to be here. I, as a rule in life, I just I don't think I want to spend more time in front of computer screens, and so, my heart sinks a little bit when I realise that maybe to sort of inhabit this world a bit i need to do more coding then you said this word thingness and i thought aha maybe you could uh, <laughs> expand for me please certainly so so the root of of, of our
4: this is mostly me, me and libby talking about this and it came out of some of libby's work on a project she works for the bbc r&d uh, and they did a project called radio dan which was Really about making it easy to make things which are like radios but different, in order to experiment with what people might want from a radio. So, so the canonical example is the Archers Avoider, which plays you Radio Four except it never plays the Archers. <laughs> and a complementary one, all Archers all the time. Right? It turns out all people want one of one of these two radios. I know people in both camps. Right. So, so, so that you can make that as software. Right. Right. It, it could just be a program. It would. You this stuff. Um, what what they did for Radio Dan was took a Raspberry Pi, wrote some software to do these things, put it in a box with a speaker, gave it a couple of buttons, and then you would. Uh, the Radio Dan was a generic platform for this, and so you could very quickly then make the Archers Avoider as a thing in a box. And what's really interesting is that people are much more interested in the physical Archers Avoider, which is really a computer in a box with a button, than a piece of software on their computer that can do exactly the same thing right so so there's something about the way that you take some particular functionality and you focus the object on it and you make it visible that the object just does this thing that makes it much more engaging than a piece of software with exactly the same behavior it's it's not trapped behind the glass in your computer it's not going to change, you're not going to find it's been upgraded and now it doesn't avoid the archers very well, or it actually only avoids question time. Or it starts picking up Ambridge Extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't have a billion options because you can see the controls. It's got some knobs, they do what's written on them. Right. So, so the affordances are, they're very simple, they're very concrete. You can see them, you trust them because they're in a thing much more than you trust them in software. And because it has a place in the world of its own, it somehow has a place in your head of its own. So I think there's something about how you remember things and remember what they do, which works much better for things than for programmes. Now, programmes try to be a bit like things, but they don't do it very well.
0: I mean, I'm looking at the the GarageBand recording software here, and it, it tries to look like a thing with its little dial which flicks backwards and forwards. Yeah. But uh, that, 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 it's annoying. But, it's but a bit icky.
4: to take a, an example, a, a little bit ago, it suddenly popped up a dialog saying that you'd run out of session length, track length, or something. Yep, yep, right yep. now, nobody with a wheel to wheel recorder has ever had trouble working out if they had tape left. Right, you can just tell. Yeah. This, no, it just sits there quietly working, and then suddenly not working. I'm sure you could work it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. in there somewhere. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but the physicalness makes some of those things much easier. I'm not arguing that all no, software no. should be replaced by things, but, but where you can make a thing, the thing is more interesting than the software.
0: Is there something to do with the physical world? The, the, the software world is a world of infinite possibilities, and whereas you have some very powerful physical constraints, and maybe touch is part of them, actually... Well, maybe I'm conflating two things there. I, 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 think,
4: I think there's something about, about that, and I think there's something about, about our mental tools for working with, I'm um, not an anthropologist here, but I am presume working with things like species of plants and predators, and where the jaguars are, and the difference between a river and a swamp, and remembering where home is, and remembering where the nice fruit trees are. You know, I think, I think there's a whole thing about our navigation of the world and our understanding of objects in the world, which, which computers do not tap into very well, and they sort of have analogies for it and they're not very good. And they may do one we may do one day. Maybe, yeah. But the world is great, right? The yeah. world has enormous resolution,
0: yeah.
4: it has great persistence. Yeah. It's a bit slow to get to a different part of it, but when you get to it, the things that were there are usually still there. Yeah. The world it really has it's a really very good user interface. It's really it's really realistic. It's very realistic. It's very rich. Yeah. you know, it has great spatial metaphors yeah. all over it that are very reliable. It has many things going for it as a user interface metaphor, better than a wee piece of glass with a
0: shiny picture on it that you can stab with one finger at a time. Uh, uh, increase with increasing uh, ferocity as it doesn't do what you expect <laughs> it to do from your real world expectations.
4: Yeah. So, so I mean, as as you can tell, I, I I don't really understand all of these things about thinness, but I really think there's something in it that, that is worthy thinking about and I would love to find somebody who's already done the work so I didn't have to but, but I think really a thing in here.
0: Thank you very much, it's been very enlightening talking to you. Hope you enjoy the rest of the festival. Uh,
4: thank you, you're very welcome.
0: And so I'm outside the lounge now and I am actually next to one of Richard's creations which you can hear in the background. It is a speaker spinning on a stick with some sort of proximity sensor on it. And as I get closer, the music should change. I think that was me.
2: All
0: right. So we're almost at the end of this podcast, but I did promise that as well as creativity and engineering, we would touch on a little bit of practical philosophy, inspired by the little practical tips that always used to go at the end of Seneca's letters to his, uh, well, to his correspondence. So... I've learned something from this festival and that is the power of finishing things. And actually this podcast, if you're listening to it, is the proof uh, that I have actually finished something. And what I learned is it's not enough just to think you've got to the end, but actually getting it online is something which always takes more effort than you expect. And you learn something through the process. And so that brings us to the end of this first I Fell Over podcast podcast. I've learned a lot here at EMF camp about the world of engineering beyond my usual hinterland of civil engineering. It's a fascinating space where hardware and software meet, where people seem to be really empowered. They understand the tools, they can shape technology rather than being shaped by it. They can be producers rather than just consumers of technology. It's also a really fascinating creative space, one where creativity is really motivated and driven by experimentation and by actually making things. I've met some really cool people and in particular those who've contributed to this podcast I'd like to thank Alex Easterbrook, Graham Kitteridge, Anna Plojewski, Steve Cross, Helen Lee and Richard Sewell. I'd like to thank too Joe Franchetti for inviting me to teach with her uh, Swing Dancing for Engineers here which is how I heard about EMF camp in the first place. More details about the people that I've met and the things I've been talking about and hopefully more podcasts coming soon on my website which is ifellover.com. That's Eiffel as in the tower. E-I-F-F-E-L-O-V-E-R.com. Finally, thank you to you for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.